Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, I'm so excited about today's episode because we get to talk about something that often draws us together when we first meet, attraction in marriage and creating emotional connection with your spouse, which of course, you know, I love. I know you are, that is your love language. For sure. Can any, anytime someone uses the word connection, I just see you light up, you smile. You know, when you've been married for a while, really rediscovering that emotional connection, obviously, I mean, it's so important because I, you know, I remember for us, I just had come out with a brand new book. My first one It's called The Marriage You've Always Dreamed Of. So I was very excited. Couldn't wait to start doing the promotion mm-hmm. tour on this book. And I'll never forget at some point as that book's coming out, you come to me in tears. You're just frustrated. You were discouraged. And I mean, do you remember that moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was coming to you to say, I love you, but we are drifting into being married roommates. And that is not what I have always dreamed of. Yeah. And ironically, your book is coming out. I didn't say it that mean. I wasn't mean about it. I was sad. And really what had happened is you had started a ministry and then stepped into a primary role with your family's ministry. And I was in graduate school and we had three small kids and it was just a lot of attention going elsewhere. Yeah, we we had drifted so far apart. But I remember when you first said that to me, I so reacted. I so defended myself. I so challenged you going, no, that's that's not true. And maybe you're just feeling that in this moment. But overall, we're doing really well. We're very connected because, you know, here I'm about to start the promotion on the book, The Marriage You've mm-hmm. Always Dreamed Of. And thus, I felt like a fraud. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I can't even talk about this book if my own wife is going, we're so far disconnected. I feel like married roommates. This isn't what I was dreaming about. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it some point, I'm sure after my initial wave of defensiveness and whatnot, I, I think we had a really good conversation and we kind of went, okay, let's let's do this differently. And that really helped us begin to go, okay, what are we going to do different? Right. And it set us on a new path for connection. And that's really what we want to focus mm-hmm. in on for this episode. And we've got some great segments coming up. And later on, Erin and I will ask each other some conversation starters. We'll also hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know how can she and her husband help out other couples without sounding like they're bragging about their own healthy marriage. So hmm. I'm looking forward that's to... That's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's going to be a good discussion. Yeah, but first we had an insightful conversation with Deborah Faleta about the different seasons of a healthy marriage. She's an author and speaker with excellent advice on navigating times of attraction, connection, and conflict. I'm so excited about this interview. I really, really enjoyed her. So let's listen to the conversation we had with Deborah. The season of spring in nature is usually the season of blossoming and blooming. Now, I kind of feel bad for those of you who are listening who live somewhere like Florida. (laughs) I lived in Florida for a year, and you don't get to experience 
experience the differences in seasons in the way that I experience them now, for example, living in Pennsylvania, because there is a stark difference between each season. And and when the Mm -hmm. season of spring comes, it's usually all of a sudden the sun starts to shine brighter and, and you notice flowers starting to bud and trees starting to, to blossom and bloom and things are starting to grow where you thought they were dead. You mm. thought they were hibernating. And, and, and I think the same goes in the season of spring. Sometimes our heart is in a state of hibernation and all of a sudden we meet someone mm. and something starts to shift in how we feel. The attraction starts to blossom. The connection starts to bloom things start to grow in our hearts and in our lives. And I definitely remember that season when my husband and I were dating um, because the slightest thing, like we were at a movie sitting together, and I literally remember just our arms touching on the armrest. (laughs) And it felt like this feeling of electricity, like something new was happening here. Um, And And don't get me wrong, I'm not the type that believes in, like, instant sparks and instant chemistry. That doesn't always happen right away. But it should happen at some point in the season of spring. There should be a desire, an attraction. I'm drawn to this person. Maybe not purely physical. Uh, Attraction isn't always just physical, but attraction is the idea that I am drawn to you, kind of like a magnet. I am drawn to you. I want to get to know you. And this is the season of spring. There's there's curiosity. There's excitement. Things are, we're learning things for the first time. There's growth and movement and things are happening um, in an exciting way in the season of spring. I love that. And I like how you guys were just sitting there in the movie theater and started holding hands when I went to kiss Aaron for the first time. She turned her head. So I don't know what <laughs> season. Turned the I other would... way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she so, wasn't quite ready for spring. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we got there. And now 31 years later, we've had we've had lots of seasons in our marriage. Yeah, and what I what I'm thinking as you're talking, Deborah, is that Spring, you know, it sounds like that new budding romance, but even in an established marriage, let's say Greg and I have been married for 31 years, that we can still experience that spring season based on if we're, you know, learning new things about each other, being curious about each other, and maybe we're going to marriage counseling or we're attending a marriage enrichment workshop and we're, we're growing and that's exciting. You're absolutely right. And you know what else? I, I think sometimes the season of spring comes shortly after a season of hibernation. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're in a season of marriage that isn't the greatest. Maybe we feel tension. Maybe there's extra stress with kids, parenting, uh, the newborn stage, whatever it is. There's different seasons where we do feel like we're in this stage where things feel asleep. But to me, I get excited when I meet a couple in my counseling office who's in that place because it tells me that the opportunity for spring is right around the corner. Mm. The opportunity for spring to come back into the relationship is so real and so true, and something that can happen. So even if you're listening and you're thinking, man, we are so far 
from the season of spring. No, spring can come again. Mm. And really, what you're, you you have hope for that couple, in in when when they're in that dark winter cold. That hibernation, you're absolutely right. You you start to see them, and you've got this amazing hope. You know it can be. And I just think for couples, at times when they're in the hard season, they can survive off of someone else's hope for a little while. So I love that you give couples that you're seeing kind of that sense of hope. Well, well, let's move to summer then. Yeah. You know, what you give an example of how building emotional connection, and I love this analogy you use. You said that building emotional connection as a couple is like a spider web. So explain that. Yeah. You know, when, when I think of summer, I think of the, the idea of intimacy, deep intimacy. And intimacy is all kinds of things. Intimacy is spiritual. Intimacy is physical. And intimacy is emotional. And each time we invest, in one of these areas of our life, we are increasing the temperature in summer. Mm. You know, summer is the the season when things get hot, right? Mm -hmm. Things get hot. And and I always say that in summer, it's an invitation to shed the layers. And Mm. I mean that in the healthiest way possible. We're shedding the layers of who we are. We're, We're starting to expose a little bit more of our heart of our feelings, of our mind, of our thoughts, our our beliefs, our ideas. We're sharing more of who we are with the other person. And the thing about this season of summer is we have to create the intimacy. And one way that we do that is through emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Emotional connection is the give and take that we have in sharing Mm -hmm. our heart, sharing our mind, sharing our internal world, And each time we make a connection with the other person, we are building like almost like a spider's web, one little string at a time, a million little strings over a lifetime tied to one person that we're choosing to invest in spiritually, physically, emotionally. But but again, it's the choice to invest. Mm. It's the deliberate act of investing and, and tying those strings one at a time. I loved the thought of that because it's those those little things, those tiny things that end up building that strong fortress of a marriage. And it's a choice, like you're saying. Well, she had you an emotional connection. So I, I was, Deborah, I was watching Erin's face light up because that is, <laughs> that is her love language. Any way that we connect emotionally, that is her thing. Yes, so I, I do like that. I saw that. And I think a lot of people don't know how to do that. Um, so, so let me just give you a, a quick cheat sheet. Yeah. So, so level one of connection is when we talk about things like our facts. What's going on today? Where are you going? How's the weather? You know, just basic facts. You can have a facts conversation with a stranger, right? <laughs> yeah. The next level is a little bit deeper, and that's talking about your opinions and your ideas. Like it's it's a little bit more of you because it's your opinion about the weather. It's your opinion about the game, not just the score of the game. It's a little bit more of you attached to it. The third level takes you a little bit deeper into that intimacy, and that is talking about your feelings, processing how you feel, what you're experiencing, the good things, the bad things. I think. Some people are not in touch with how they feel, so they can't really communicate it. And so the process of emotional intimacy is sometimes even learning 
how to have that intimacy with our own selves Mm. so that we can begin to communicate that with the people who are closest to us. And then the third, the fourth level would be uh, your faith, Mm. talking about what God is doing in your life and what you're learning, what you're struggling with, what you need prayer for. And and when we think of it kind of like going a little bit deeper with each layer, um, you have the opportunity to build such strong emotional connection just by building in some of these conversations throughout your day and throughout your week. In in what I like that you, what you're saying is that each level has value. Each level can serve a purpose. It's not mm-hmm. like you're saying, "Hey, you need to figure out how to go to the deepest level and stay there." But and, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I know. I you wouldn't, wouldn't mind that. staying at that deepest <laughs> that, level. That sounds exhausting. Although, no. I will say, especially being a therapist, there's times, many times I come home and I'm like, I don't want to talk about anything. Yeah. And Greg doesn't know what to do with that. So I probably no, I, couldn't exist anymore. I thank at that the Lord level. for your compassion fatigue in that moment. So <laughs> I know we're just going to watch <laughs> a movie a or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. My husband says the same thing. Like, <laughs> you know, we, he, he refers to emotional intimacy like a pool. And he's like, Deb is always scuba diving in the deep end, and I'm in my duck floaty in the shallow end, <laughs> and we've got to find somewhere in the middle. But 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 I think that's the beauty of yeah. what the the differences are. You know, he might be here and I might be here, but neither of us can stay either in the shallow or the deep and be healthy people. We've got to learn to navigate through each level and allow each of those levels to be reflected in our relationship as well. Mm. And, and I like how you're encouraging this, you know, how do we go deeper? And you, you talked a little bit about emotionally for, for couples who maybe they feel disconnected spiritually. Kind of what, what are some things that they could do to rekindle that, you know, relationship with the Lord or that spiritual relationship with each other? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, you rekindle it in your own life standing alone because anything you love, anything you invest will naturally overflow into your life. And when you love Jesus and when you are soaking in His Word and and His truth, it's going to naturally come out of your life. The other day, my husband and I were sitting in the hot tub, and I was sharing with him something that I read in Scripture for the first time that I was hmm. like, I, don't, I can't believe I've never seen this before, and we had a great conversation about it. When it's a natural part of your life, it starts to overflow. Just like you naturally talk about your kids or you naturally talk about your hobbies, it's not something you have to fabricate when it's a natural part of your life. So I would say that's the first step. And then the second step is to make uh, set aside a time each week to connect. And I would say this is a great way to build intimacy in general, but my husband and I have one night a week. For us, it's Sunday night, 9 p.m. We call it our check-in night. It's not our date night. It's just our check-in night, and we sit together, we turn off our, all our devices, and we touch base about our relationship with the Lord. We touch base about our personal life and how we're doing, how we're each doing, our struggles, what we need prayer for. We touch base about our parenting and our marriage, and we just kind of make it a routine, knowing that we're going to have that time in the calendar to develop that spiritual and emotional intimacy and make time for it. Mm. And again, it's a choice to do that. It doesn't just haphazardly happen. You guys are, you know, it sounds like you're intentional about going, okay, Sunday nights are time. Very intentional. In fact, in the very beginning, we've been doing this for over a decade. In the very beginning, it was so unnatural 
that John had to put a timer on his phone at 9 p.m. on Sunday nights so he wouldn't forget because it wasn't a natural mm-hmm. part of our of our of the way we did life. We we had to make it a part of our life and and honestly it's been one of the most transforming practices because it, it really gives us that time to connect. I so appreciate Deborah's perspectives, especially her perspective on the season of summer. Yeah. Um, the summer season, as she defines it, is really about deep intimacy and connection. She talked about the importance of being intentional in creating this intimacy and con- that connecting is not just about sharing facts, but feelings and needs. Yeah, and, and I like that because the reality is God created us. We've talked about this before, but he really mm-hmm. created us to be fully known, to be fully seen. And again, our spouse should be that person who who's fully able to see us, know us. And yet, you know, the hard part is that requires a vulnerability. Like if you're really going to see me, I've got to be willing to be open and let you see deep within me all that stuff that maybe I'm trying to hide or I don't want you mm-hmm. to see. And then the question is, what is she going to do with some of that stuff. So, but it's especially important to f- create somewhere that feels safe yeah. in order to be vulnerable. Yeah. And so, no one is going to reveal anything on the inside of themselves, their heart, their feelings, their emotion, if the marriage, the relationship doesn't feel safe. Yeah. You know, when we've talked about safety plenty on the show, mm-hmm. and that's a core value of ours is creating a marriage that feels like the safest place on earth so that hearts are open, so that we can be fully seen, fully known. So let's give some definition. So it's, you know, you might be hearing us use this word safety. at what, Well, what I always wondered mean? what it meant. And the definition is uh, feeling free to open your heart and be fully known and trust that as an imperfect person, your spouse will unconditionally love, cherish, and nurture you for a lifetime. Yeah. So in essence, it's the good, the bad, the ugly, being feeling free to reveal that and to share that, knowing that your spouse is going to meet you there and not criticize or blame or defend. They're just going to lean in and listen. And granted, I know that sounds so textbook and picture perfect because all of us who are married know that's not the case. Yeah, This stuff is tender. It's vulnerable. And as we reveal this tender, vulnerable stuff, things can get triggered, buttons can get triggered, and conflict can take off. The research shows that one in three times conflict is going to go well. Hmm. So what that says to me is it's a risk, and it may not go well the first time as you're trying to reveal it. Granted, you can let your spouse know, like, I have something vulnerable to share, so can you just listen? And if one in three times it goes well, well, that means twice we're going to have to do some repair yeah. and some reconnection and try again. Yeah. You know, remember years ago, we did some research with couples who attended, you know, one of our marriage events. And mm-hmm. so over the course of like four or five events, maybe we got a whole bunch of responses to what happens that makes you feel unsafe mm-hmm. in your marriage. And, and not sure what would sort of emerge as number one. It makes sense what ultimately was the number one thing that makes people feel unsafe inside their marriage, which is criticism. Mm-hmm. And, and we say that just to reinforce, you know, that that's a good thing to think about. How do you show up within your marriage? Because if, if you're being really hypercritical, if you're using a lot of criticism within your discussions, just understand that mm-hmm. that's, I guarantee it's making your spouse feel unsafe because there's a big, big, big difference 
between sharing feedback with mm-hmm. someone and being critical. I, I know we're going to even talk about that on a on a future episode, mm-hmm. just really on how to give each other feedback like that. Yeah. Well, it's criticism, blame, defensiveness, all of that creates a place that doesn't feel safe. So yeah. ultimately, if you're wanting your spouse to open up with you, it doesn't mean that they will, but you absolutely have influence in creating a safe environment. Yeah, because on the other hand, we ask what helps you to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I tell you again, the number one thing that emerged was when my spouse shows up with empathy. In mm-hmm. other words, really being willing to step outside of your perspective, how mm-hmm. you see it, you know, how how you felt and really enter into his world, her world, her emotions. You feel with mm-hmm. your spouse that that had an amazing effect upon people. It made them feel safe. And again, we'll argue that when you feel safe, hearts open, you're able to get to those, you know, deeper places within your relationship. You're willing to be seen, to mm-hmm. be to be fully known when you feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to know more about the seasons of marriage, uh, we encourage you get a copy of Deborah's book, Love in Every Season, for a gift of any amount. It's because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate and get that book today. Yes, and all the details will be in the show notes. And I'm so excited we're going to be talking to Deborah about the rest of the seasons in our next episode. I'm so excited because I love conversation starters. You know, we are always changing as individuals and conversation starter questions are a fun way that we can deepen understanding of one another and stay attuned to each other's evolving thoughts, feelings, desires. Yeah. And and that's why we love this idea of conversation starters, having a whole range of topics, you know, as we ask each other these questions yeah, it really prevents complacency. It, you know, it allows us to really deepen our connection. And that's why we, we do this segment, just to have fun with it, to model how conversation starters can be used to strengthen our marriage. So I think last time, Aaron, you went first. So okay, so you I'm go take, first. So I'll reach here into the bucket and pull out a question. And again, we, we have not seen these, so this is just right off the tip of our tongue here. So, Aaron, when did you know that I was the one, so the person that you really wanted to marry? Hmm. Trying to remember. I don't know if there was an exact moment. I can remember we had graduated in May, um, both from Grand Canyon University, and we were driving in the car, and you started talking about, you were telling a story about a 10-cow Oh, yeah. Woman. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I forgot this. But it was really a sweet story and it was affirming me. And I think that was the night you told me you loved me. And I was like, huh, this might have some future potential. But I can't remember if it was before that or after that you called me and you said, I'm moving to Denver to go to Denver Seminary. And I was like, well, that's the end of this. And then you said, but I want you to come with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, we'd have to talk about that, what that might look like. Because you were a 10-cow woman. Yes. So that was it. <laughs> Our producer, Katie, will find, it's called Johnny Lingo's 8-cow woman. Oh, it was only, but so, you told me it was I was 10 cows. I know, because I had to increase... <laughs> 
the number of cows. And yes. So check this story out. It's a great story. And you'll see why I said that Aaron was like a 10-cow woman. Yes. Because on its own, it sounds really weird that I was calling you like 10 yes. cows. So it's my turn. <laughs> um, what was going through your mind on our first date? Which it's hard to pinpoint when our first date was. So I'm going to call it. I think our first date was when... We were good friends. We were working at this Christian sports camp. We were both counselors. And so we just had 24 hours off. Uh-huh. And so we were just hanging out together. And I talked you into uh, sneaking along mm-hmm. the lake because it was on this lake, sneaking along the bank of this lake to where we went up underneath this dock because I knew that the counselors were going to bring these little, <laughs> the youngest campers down to tell them this story. It's a horrible story. It's called The Slew Lady. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be the scary story that's told to try to keep kids from going into the water and swimming mm-hmm. alone. So you tell them the scary story, and there's this part to where you're talking, the slew lady was this like mean camp cook who went swimming late at night and drowned. And now if you go in, as a kid by yourself, she'll get you. And so right as they're telling the story <laughs> and, and they say, and the slew lady will get you, you shot out from underneath the dock screaming as loud as you can. And it's so scared, all of these <laughs> camp kids. And the counselors. that They they just all bolted. They just ran yeah. screaming. These little boys just screaming the highest pitched scream you've ever heard in your life. I was so impressed. And I just remembered thinking, man, anybody who could be that mean to, you know, little five-year-old kids, <laughs> you know, would have to make an amazing mother and, a, and an awesome wife. And so that's what I remember from our first date. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a memory. And I'm I'm sitting over here thinking, I can't believe I allowed you to influence me <laughs> to be like that. <laughs> so that's why I call Aaron the salute lady now. Oh, so if you ever my. hear me call her that, that's why. All right. So Aaron, here's another question for you. So what are some favorite things that we used to do as a couple in the early days of our marriage? Mm. So some of our favorite things we did... We used to go shopping a lot together, and I wish we did that still. Um, matter of fact, I came in today and I was like, oh, my word, there's this great sale and everything's 65% off, so I think we need to go there. And I know I can convince you to do that. But I was going to say, because you went by yourself, you didn't even tell me. I, mean, <laughs> I just I ran in made and ran out. some way to get away from I knew exactly work. what I was looking for, and I got it on sale. And we used to so play... shopping. We used to play pickup basketball at, a, at the oh, park. Yeah. In Arizona. Okay, I because I got to brag on my wife, which which you don't know about her, is she is a phenomenal basketball player. has one of the best outside jump shots I've ever seen. And so we used to go to the mm-hmm. park, and we would play two guys against me and Aaron. <laughs> and and, and I was a little guard, so no I could way. handle the ball really well. But I would always just pass it to you, and they would – Start off going, yeah, yeah, don't worry about her. You don't even have to try got her. And you would swish every single shot. And, and, man, if only we were betting with money, we could have made a lot of money. But you were incredible. You oh. well, probably still are. Well, so I don't know that we could great start basketball player. doing that again. Could try. We, our son is constantly begging us to come out to the driveway. Our 22-year-old son. Yeah. To come out and shoot ball. hoops with him. Can you play pickleball? Yes. Could we do that? Yes, Let's do that. I like pickleball. All right. So for you, what first attracted you to me? 
I loved, I think what stood out to me was your passion about things. So rather that was about going shopping or playing basketball Mm -hmm. or whatever you were into, whatever interests you had. I remember, I remember early even in our marriage, you know, you you loved plaid. I don't know why we went through that. Remember that season? Like everything we owned was plaid plaid. and hunter green in hunter green. And I remember that I started to see that everywhere. And I was with a guy friend one time. I was like, Oh man, I love that. Look at that plaid. He kind of looked at me like, what is, what? What is your deal? And I just remember smiling going, that's Aaron's influence. So there there was just a way that your passion, uh-huh. your zest, the way you get excited was just infectious. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that really drew me to you. And I'm still like that. You are very I definitely much so. get passionate about things. Yeah, there's a term, I think, in one of the assessments you can take. It's called a woo. Mm-hmm. And a woo is someone that just the best salesperson ever. It just can talk you into anything. And that is you. Mm-hmm. The things I end up doing because you talk me into them is oh. incredible. You know, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and that's the part of the show where we answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if it gets answered on the show, we will send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Today's question comes from Deanne. So let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. Hi, Greg and Aaron. My husband and I have been married for over five years and still seem to have one of those unicorn marriages where conflict feels safe and even uplifting. So my question is, how do we communicate with friends and community when marriage is not necessarily easy for them? When prompted to share our experiences, it can be difficult to not come across as bragging or condescending, neither of which we're obviously ever intentionally trying to do. So any help would just be really appreciated. Thank you. I love this question, Deanne, because we need Christian marriages that are healthy and strong to be front and center. And so I am certain I put myself in your position and think, Wow, in a group when somebody's really hurting and you know one couple is maybe separated or one couple is having extreme conflicts or the others are disconnected and you guys are sitting there going, yeah, our marriage is great. Awesome. Because everyone needs to have something that they're striving towards. Yeah, that kind of aiming, a target to a aim target for. A target that mm-hmm. they're aiming toward. And so often when I ask the question, you know, whose marriage do you admire? Like, who who would you like to model your marriage after? So many couples say, we don't have anyone. And so I say, if your marriage is strong, let that be known. Granted, you're right. There's a humility that allows you to do that without bragging and being condescending. So, you know, being doing that with humility. And as we know, no one's marriage is perfect. So it's talking about the whole picture, the whole journey. Yeah, because really, we encourage people as they share their story, which... Which again, Deanne, you guys need to be sharing your story. All of us need to tell our story. We always say that 
you know, our love story is our favorite because it's recognizing what God's done through our marriage of 31 years. And so as you think about telling your story, we always encourage people there's a couple things to think about. Be sure you share the high points, kind of like you're saying, I mean, the, the good, mm-hmm. you know, what, what you've learned, what you do well, those enjoyable moments, the, those highs that you've experienced within your marriage, but also share the, the low points. And, and although I hear you, you're kind of saying that you're a unicorn marriage to where, you know, in the midst of arguments, you know, we, we tend to manage those. Well, that's great. But think about those times that, You've been annoyed with each other. You've been hurt by each other, whatever. I mean, whatever those low points are, you're sharing that as a way to then talk about what you learned through them. Mm -hmm. So what did God teach you maybe as you went through a death of a loved one or a job loss or a financial strain? I mean, whatever. Mm -hmm. Couples need to hear the highs and the lows and what you've learned from God within those moments. Yes, and what's working. Because, you know, if someone's sitting there and they're disconnected and they hear you guys saying, well, actually, conflict goes really well for us. What are you doing? Share that. Share that, gosh, we, you know, attribute to this methodology or we were taught in our premarital to handle conflict like this. And, you know, then lay that out. What What is it that you're doing that's working well? You know, Aaron, it's kind of like, remember the old song that we used to sing in Sunday school, This Little Light of Mine? You know, I'm going to let it shine. And there's a line in there, kind of don't hide the light under this bushel tree. And the whole point of that is, you know, Dan, don't hide what what God's doing through your marriage. You know, the, the fact that you guys are at a great season, man, let people see that, mm-hmm. know that. Aaron and I always say that people can survive off of someone's hope mm-hmm. in their marriage for a season. So you have no idea the sort of hope that you're actually giving people that, whoa, you mean maybe we could have a marriage like theirs. Yeah, and that it's possible. Um, because so many couples will say, I don't know that it's possible because I've never seen it. Yeah. And so I say, let it shine yeah. um, humbly. <laughs> you know, when we have a thing, Deanne, that, that we call a marriage champion. So we're going to put a link in the show notes. So so check those show notes for what what is called a marriage champion. And it's just someone who is using their marriage to bless others in very intentional ways in and we've got seven or so ways that, that you'll see this link that you could begin to use to really help encourage other couples. Part of that is praying for another couple, sharing your own story. I mean, there, there's some things that you could do even more intentionally to use your marriage to bless others. Well, thanks to Deanne for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and you have a burning question for us, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We hope today's conversation gave you some insights into the seasons of thriving in your marriage. We can't wait to share more of Deborah's stories and tips with you next time. Yeah, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts because we, we want to hear from you. We've got great friends like Kevin Marr, for example, who's just providing us great feedback. So please do that. You know, we want you to have a seat at the table every week 
is we help to equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. And, you know, we want to see you grow spiritually, both individually and together so that you can invest in other couples to help them build thriving marriages. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead. In full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.